why does representation matter for minorities? And what kind of representation matters most? We ask these questions and more with special guest Nathan Scher on this episode of The Overthinkers. Hello, my thinking man's thinking men. Welcome to The Overthinkers. I'm your host, Joseph Holmes, filmmaker, film critic, swing dance enthusiast. And with me is my crazy courageous co-host. Nathan Clarkson. I am an actor and author and filmmaker and um, a video game enthusiast. Really, really mm. good at Apex Legends, not gonna lie. Mm. Mm. Yeah, he, he's, he's, he is good, that's very true. And with us here is a very special guest. He's a freelance film editor and production assistant. He's been a film partner for me on multiple projects, including the new sketch comedy web series, Young Unprofessionals on YouTube, and sound mixer on this very podcast. He is the noble, the noteworthy, the nifty Nathan Share. Nathan, how are you? I'm doing well. Glad to be here. Thank you for me. Of course. Love, really glad to have you at long last. Real quick, I, I okay. do want to say that, um, so whenever all of us hang out, because there are two Nathans, yes. everyone should know this, uh, that we, we figured out a plan so no one ever gets confused. Um, we do. I was just about to ask about yeah, this. We do look a lot of like <laughs> me, <laughs> me and Nathan. Um, but uh, we came up with Nathan A, but because no one wanted to be Nathan B, we have Nathan A and Nathan 1. And I have no idea who's mm -hmm. Nathan A and Nathan 1. I keep on forgetting. Wait, let's establish this <laughs> once and for all so we have the recording that we can go back to. Who is Nathan A and yes. who's Nathan 1? I'm Nathan A, if only because I like to do the whole Fozzie impression. A, everything. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me Nathan one. Okay. I'm down. I like it. Okay. Yes. All right. So that's how I will refer to both of you for the remainder of the podcast. Perfect. <laughs> Wonderful. This won't confuse anyone at all. <laughs> I'm sure I'll forget like 10 seconds later. But we'll yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. Wow. So getting down to the topic of the podcast. So recent events, horrific acts of violence against Black Americans in the news this year have brought the conversation about racism back to the forefront of American cultural discourse again. We'd already scheduled to record today an episode about race and diversity in the entertainment industry, but these events have only made it more relevant. Racial diversity in the film industry has been an increasing topic of conversation for the past several years with controversies like Oscar so white, the prevalence of the term whitewashing to describe taking ethnic minority characters or historical figures and casting them with white actors, have shown a spotlight on lack of representation on screen for ethnic minorities. Studies like the ones published by Vice that have shown consistently not being represented or being represented badly on screen can cause real psychological harm to groups of people. Nathan A, in light of this, I wanted to ask you about your own experience with media and entertainment. How did you feel about how you represented or unrepresented on screen growing up in the programs you watched or or what have you? Hmm, still a big question. Personally, growing up is something I never thought too hard about, to be honest. So I guess I could say overall, I was pretty neutral. Hmm. I didn't really flock to shows that had, I did flock to shows that did wind up having black characters, but it's not because they were black. It's just more like they appealed to my sense of wonder or my sense of humor or whatever. Like usually it's just crazy fantasy shows or crazy superhero cartoon shows or whatever. And just ha and they just happen to have black characters 
on the side, but like it wasn't the main draw of it for me. Because I think back to shows like, say, Rugrats or Hey Arnold or things like that, where like, yeah, there's a black kid here and there. He's a friend of like main characters. So it's like, okay, I saw it. Like, I saw some characters. I wasn't really, didn't really have my, took much emotional stock in it. I more just watched those shows because I enjoyed them to begin with. I think it wasn't until I got a little bit older, though, and started seeing shows with actual Black main characters as the stars that I realized, oh, this actually does kind of make me feel mm. good. Because I'm thinking, mm. I really realized that was like watching shows like Stag Shock or Justice League that had Black, uh, Black Lean Lantern as one of the main characters. And something inside me was just like, I feel pretty good watching these characters, actually. For some reason, I just really enjoy the fact that they're like Black characters as main stars, as opposed to like be, being the background characters. And I'm not really sure what. And I even remember asking my older sister about this and being like, is it bad that I enjoy the fact mm. that Stag Shock is a hero mm. and like he has a show about him? And my sister just looks at me, she's like, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> so I think- I'll continue. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's basically all I had to say. I didn't think of it much growing up, but like once I realized I had it, I'm like, oh wow, this is actually pretty darn cool, and we'll love to see more of it. I think that's interesting because you you actually mentioned a couple shows that I definitely watched growing up: the uh, the Justice League, I remember Green Lantern and Static Shock, and you know it, it's interesting. Um, that was something that you know that experience you had when you were a little older of actually having this experience of seeing someone um, seeing a black main character. And that was a, a, a novel thing, it sounded like to you. It was kind of a, it created a good feeling. And it's interesting that I've never had that because every character I've ever grown up with, essentially, you know, I love, I love the Supermans, I love Spider-Man, I love Batman. All of the main characters that we've seen for so long have been white. And I think I took it for granted and I, you know, I still definitely do. Um, and, you know, of course we can connect to every kind of person, every kind of different um, uh, if we if we look and empathize with their story, but I do think there is something to seeing people who are like us in a particular way, especially a physical way, and seeing them represented as heroes, as the main characters. Like you said, a lot of the black characters have been relegated for many years to the back. They were the side characters, the supporting characters, and I think that can have a detrimental effect. I would imagine. I don't. I'm not entirely sure, but on someone watching that where the person who looks like them, maybe comes from their same background, is relegated. Their, their stories aren't important enough to be at the forefront of, um, of whatever story is being told. So I think it, it, it's interesting to hear you talk about how it was somewhat of a powerful experience to see someone who um, in some way had your experience or looked like you in a physical way, how they were finally given um, lead character uh, casting and that actually did make a difference and it made you actually feel good and I think that's a powerful thing um, that is worth taking mm -hmm. into consideration when we are creating and casting these projects in, in modern day media. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I'd say looking back on it now I think having that experience made me realize that it was okay for me to be seen. Mm. Mm. Wow. Want to unpack that a little bit? Like because my background is I grew up in like a upper middle class family, middle class family, predominantly white neighborhood, went to a predominantly white school growing up. And I never bemoaned that fact, but yeah, I was often like the only black kid in the room, very much used to having white people around me all my life. So like when I saw shows growing up that had like only black characters as supporting, as supporting roles of white people, I like 
I didn't bemoan it. I was kind of used to it because that was my experience. And so I think on some level, I kind of relegated myself to similar positions when it came to interacting with the folks around me of being like, I'll just stick in the back. I won't rock the boat. I'll be the support. I'll be like, I'll give you guys a spotlight. I'll make you guys look good or whatever. I don't want to cause any trouble. That's fine. I'm totally cool with that. And then these shows come along like Static Shock or Justice League and so on and so forth that show me, oh, it's not bad for me to take a spotlight every now and then. It's not bad if I do get acknowledged. That's not causing trouble for anyone else. It's just acknowledging me and that's fine because everyone gets a chance to be acknowledged at some point and that's okay. Hmm. Yeah. That's really interesting. Wow. And and yeah, that that that's really it it makes me sad to think um that anyone for any reason would ever feel like that they are relegated to not be um right. a main character. And I don't I don't just mean on screen, I mean in life. You know, I I've I right. firmly believe that everyone's story is important. And so anyone who is experiencing their story as something less important than someone else's based on the mere fact that their skin color is different, it does make me sad. And it it, it kind of opens my eyes because I, I can be, I can forget and be a little callous and be like, oh, you know, it's they're going to cast it. It doesn't make that big of a difference, um, whoever they cast. But I think in, you know, in hearing part of your story, I think it actually really does. And you spoke to how powerful it is to have, um, representation in our heroes, in our superheroes, and in our in our stories and our movies. Um, so that that is really interesting. Mm. Yeah. No, there, there's a there's a moment in Static Shock, the show, where uh, and you you know this even better than I do, uh, Nathan A. Um, the that's a uh, static. He goes he goes to Africa actually on a trip, and he mm -hmm. has a line with his uh, in the exchange with his his white best friend back home where he says, you know, here, I'm not the black kid. I'm just a kid. And he asks, is this the way it feels like for you all the time? And his best friend's like, I guess so. Mm. <laughs> um, and that was a moment for me that I kind of was opened up to a different experience about the, the way to, um, to look at the world. And so that, that, that's, uh, makes a lot of Nathan sense. A and it's very tragic. Yeah. If anybody has seen, you know, seen you, Nathan, like actually be in the spotlight and how amazing that is, you know, like, again, when you, you act in the, our Young and Professionals, a sketch, stop me if you've heard this one, you are, you know, one of the funniest people I've ever seen. And so it's, it's, it's sad anytime someone, you know, someone like you thinks that they have to be in the background. Yeah, I'm interested, um, Nathan, in, you know, there there has been with the with the recent Oscars so white and things like that. Um, do you ever feel like when you were watching award shows? You know, up until I think it was I don't remember the year, but it was when Halle Berry and uh, Denzel Washington uh, won the awards. There had been almost I mean, which is crazy that it was that late. There had been almost n no winners in uh, in any of the major categories for um, for black for black people, and it was interesting. I'm wondering, growing up, did that ever have an effect on you? In that and you even uh we just had our first black president just recently in the, in the past um little while yeah. and i'm wondering because I, I have heard this reflected and it's not something in my experience because you know growing up as a as a white kid i would look and i would see white presidents i'd see white um uh, uh, uh figures politicians white pastors very often white actors and uh white directors white writers white authors 
and and this is not anything against the 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 great work that um, they've done, but I do wonder did it ever have an effect on you when you didn't see the representation of the the Oscar going to um, a a black writer or black director or a black actor? Did it ever make you think, oh, I guess it's going to be harder for me, or why should I even try? Did you ever have any of those kind of feelings? Because because you're a filmmaker and you and you and you are someone who is in the entertainment industry. Did you ever have those kind of feelings growing up and seeing those? only a particular people typically take home all the awards and all the attention that ever have an effect on you growing up? To be honest, no. But I think that's partially because I didn't really keep an eye on Oscars or anything <laughs> like that. Like my main wheelhouse growing up was just like watching cartoons and playing video <laughs> that's games. That's why we're friends. <laughs> so like I've never paid that close attention to things like that. But even when I did see it, I never really stopped to think about it. I think I all like I also just kind of had those subconscious assumptions of like, oh, well, I guess this, this is how it is, so I won't think too hard about it. Like, I've never stopped to think about how much of a struggle it would be to be, in those, to be a Black person trying to, like, be a filmmaker and be in those positions. Not until I got much older, but, like, growing up, it's just more like, again, I subconsciously, I subconsciously accepted the circumstances in front of me as just being the norm and never really stopped to question it. Yeah. How does it, does it affect you differently now? Mm -hmm. I'm not going to bemoan it. Doesn't how it affect me now. Like I'm not going to go back and bemoan saying like, "Oh, that was horrible," or "Oh, that was so sad that we didn't get enough." Even though, yeah, it was a tragedy. Like it was a tragedy. But at the same time, I know we're all slowly but surely making efforts to something better. Mm. It's taken a while, yeah, for sure. But at least, but I mean, at least we're better than we used to be. So it's like. Yeah, that's sad, but I don't want to get too caught up in it, I guess. I kind of, I want to keep looking forward, like everyone else is trying to do, and I'm going to celebrate whenever we make steps going forward, as opposed to any steps when we, any sort of backtracking we might that's do. That's beautiful. Yeah. So, yeah, on the, I mean, you know, I, as somebody who is, you know, also a filmmaker, I've, you know, experienced the barriers to, you know, creating opportunities, you know, for minorities and non-white people generally in my filmmaking. You know, I, you know, when I'm trying to cast something or I'm trying to have people, you know, behind the camera, you know, I'm like, oh yeah, I want things to be, you know, diverse. I want to help, you know, create opportunities, you know, but I also want to get people who are best for the job and who are people I know and people I enjoy working with. And, you know, the you know, truth is that, you know, most of the people like that, that I know are, are, happen to be white because of, you know, the circumstances of my life. And you know, since I'm not the only one, most people who are making films are also white and have the same sort of incentives and same, you know, circumstances like that, that I do, you know, it, it does create like larger barriers, you know, on, in society in that way. I mean, Bob Iger recently said in his memoirs, they had to fight to get Green Lantern greenlit, I mean, a Black Panther greenlit, excuse me, um, because Marvel executives didn't think a black superhero could succeed at the box office. Really? You know, I had no yes. Idea. No. Well, I mean, he says it in his memoirs. It's kind of self-serving to post it in his memoirs, but that's <laughs> that's what he said. That's what he said, and it does just show, you know, that how hard it can be in that way. But again, like I said, I I understand some of the problems because, like, I've tried to say, okay, I'm going to like, you know, try to make an effort to, you know, work with people behind the camera, you know, um, in in uh, who are who are not who are not my same ethnicity, who are not my same sex and I uh, and also cast them and you know it's it's 
it's been hard because I mean, in some cases I try and they say, well, actually, sorry, we have a better opportunity, which I can't really be upset about. Great. You have better opportunity. That's a good thing. Um, but, um, but it does, you know, there are barriers in that way. So I guess my question is, what would you be wanting uh, filmmakers to do, whether filmmakers, you know, either directors like myself or people who have money or things like that, what would you be wanting them to do to try to increase the amount of opportunities for people, you know, for, for people like yourself or other minorities or people who are not being represented in the film industry. And yes, hiring Nathan Share isn't acceptable. <laughs> in fact, everyone listening, go just hire him. I mean, just, just hire him for yeah. literally anything. He can act, he can sing, he can dance. He can do literally everything, so just hire him. He can, he's a fantastic editor. He's a fantastic, you know, any, whatever you want, he's, he's, he's good at it. Maybe not whatever you want, but you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> he can't breathe fire. You, you got to find someone else for that. Oh, he's not, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, it's working on it. <laughs> oh, man, that's a big question. And I, again, so I'm sure if I know remotely what a good answer for that for, would be, but I guess part of it will be for filmmakers and content creators and all that to hmm, tell more diverse stories and tell them. Like not just make stories that are dedicated to a particular people group, like say mm -hmm. Coco or Pixar, like, like Coco or Soul and things like that, where like you can cast people in that ethnicity because it's about that ethnicity, ethnicity. But also tell more story like allow people allow more voices to tell their stories. Sure. With that you inevitably get more representation behind it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've yeah. wondered about that um, sometimes. You, you know, you talk about um, not wanting to go back, and it's and it's hard to figure out how not wanting to go back, but still acknowledging the things that have happened um, it, with an honest voice. You know, wh whether it's slavery or segregation in the culture, and I've noticed that a lot of films often with the black leads or the films that get nominated or get a lot of attention are specifically about the the stories of the ills of America, the shame of America and race and how that's mm -hmm. happened. But I'm I also wonder sometimes um if you know black kids, you know, little black boys and or, or any uh, of any gender or or age want to see stories that aren't always just to do with um, perhaps the ills of the past. And those are important, those are, those are incredibly important, mm -hmm. but also just to see people living their lives who happen to be a, from a different race, a different culture, a different experience. Is that, is that something um, that like, you know, Black Panther, of course it had to do with um, uh, a, a different mm -hmm. culture, but at the end of it, he was just a black superhero and he was just a superhero who happened to be black. And yeah. I think, I don't know, and, and this is something I, I would love to hear your thoughts on, but I wonder if that did, um, if that was something that gave little boys something to look up and just see a hero and see someone, it wasn't about perhaps um, taking on the entirety of the race issue, but you could just see a person living life in a grand way on screen that happened to look like them physically. Is that something, do you, do you want normal stories that don't always have to do with the heavy issues told about black characters? Is that kind of, um, maybe a little bit of what you're what you're leaning towards exactly 100 percent. in fact a cartoon show that i'm enjoying a lot right now that's currently airing on cartoon network called craig of the creek it's literally that it's just the everyday lives of this of this kid like hanging out with his friends at the creek and he just happens to be glad to be mm -hmm. black but like a big deal about it 
you can tell he's clearly black. You can tell his family's black, especially when they have episodes dedicated to him and his family. But like never once do they ever feel the need to like address racism or like any sort of dark issues of the past. It's just people enjoying their everyday lives. This kid that happens to be black enjoying lot joy enjoying his childhood with other kids who may or may not be black. I haven't heard of Craig of the Creek and I love cartoons and I gotta look it up. It's very fun. It reminds me very much of like shows like Hey Arnold or or um mm. Sex Door that go to great lengths to show the beauty and wonder, wonders and joy of childhood mm. and does it in a creative, fun way. And that's that's exactly why I want to see more of in just representation stories in general, where it's like at this person of a race just happens to be doing this story or whatever that speaks well to him or influences him in some big or small way. And he just happens to be of a different race. No big deal about it. We, it's just a story. And yeah, of course, there's still, still going to be plenty of room for stories that are about race or out about our feelings in the past or whatever. But I feel like the, p- the key part of normalizing something is just to acknowledge it, just to acknowledge it as a thing and don't make a big deal out, out of it every single time it shows mm-hmm. up. It's just, okay, here's a story featuring an Asian kid. Here's a story featuring a Black kid. Here's a story featuring anyone else. And it's just a story, a story that speaks to some specific people, maybe because of his particular race, or maybe they, they, it speaks to people just because they relate to him as a character. Like, yeah, the character's Black. I'm not Black, but I relate to him because he's a nice kid who like very much likes to create, who very much like rep- uh, appreciates his family, was very ambitious, yada, yada, yada. It's just telling more diverse stories or in a way that allows, it features diverse people, but also allows people who aren't exactly the same as them to connect to them in that same way by putting them in a relatable environment. Yeah. I want to uh, tap into something that sort of you said earlier about getting more, getting more voices, more diverse voices who can you know, t- and if you do that, you, you know, tell more, you know, diverse stories because if you make mm-hmm. an excellent point, you know, the fact that, you know, I, you know, I remember, you know, the fact that Ryan Coogler and Jordan Peele are two really big name directors right now in Hollywood means that there's a lot of black actors who I was like, oh man, I, I, w- I would like to see them get more roles who are getting more roles because these directors are hiring them for great roles, you know? Mm-hmm. And so you see that a lot where it's like, yeah, you, people, if you have more storytellers who are of different um, backgrounds, and that's, you know, again, same for race, religion also, you know, sex and gender, um, then you get more of those things. The, my question is, you know, it's, it's so hard because, you know, people in, way back, I remember, I can't find the interview anymore, but I believe it, Lou Gossett Jr. talked to the fact that the film industry is sort of behind like the music industry and other, a lot and other industries in terms of being able to um, you know have representation in that way and and part of what I think mm-hmm. you know goes on is that people are um, people in the film industry I found because you have to work so closely with people you know you know so many hours of the day people just really gravitate towards people who um, who are like them as close to them as possible and this is not just on race it's like they want to only hire and work with people who are like them in terms of their ideology and their political ideology, their religious ideology, their, you know, mm-hmm, their, mm-hmm. Their, their sex or gender. It's just, it's somebody who's exactly like me because I want to be comfortable with them and be on the same page with them and also creatively vibe with them for this, you know, length of time. And of course it's like, if you're the money person, you only are like, okay, this is the story. I'm going to invest billions, millions of dollars in this 
how I'm, I'm going to do it if I respond to it as a, a story that I resonate with. Um, that's going to be more likely to do that. And I'm, I'm, tr I'm trying to think like, what is sort of the answer to that, you know, as, as, as artists, as, you know, people who are trying to, because this art is so subjective and it's like the, the art that you think is beautiful has something to do with it, how much it resonates with you that you recognize is, as great art. And your art. experience and, yeah, and your values. And yeah. your experiences are partly shaping of that. Yep. But you, and you don't want to be untrue to your own kind of eye because when that happens, oftentimes what happens is just the, the, the art seems like, you know, I, I'm going to just blank check something that's not good. And there's a lot of stuff that just comes out maybe that's not good or you have a bad experience because you're not picking up on the vibes because you're just turning off all your intuition on that mm -hmm. part. And so I'm wondering, what do you think are the answers to solve that problem as, you know, as people are trying to put the work in to overcome the barriers that are to hire people and give more power to those voices? Mm. Could you re re <laughs> summarize, Joseph? <laughs> sure, yes. summarize. Yes. So there's a lot of barriers to actually hiring people to be those voices, mm -hmm. and you know, in terms of because just a lot of psychological barriers and a mm -hmm. lot of interpersonal barriers, and because we like to work with people who are comfortable with and we recognize the potential of people that we see like ourselves, who see are like ourselves and resonate with us. And how do we overcome those? What are the ways to overcome those so that we can offer more vo chances for more voices? I think it's a, this is probably an oversimplified question, but I think just starting more conversations pe with people, like mm. even base level. So art itself is a conversation between the artist and, the, and his mm. audience. That's and his creation that he shares with them is like the bridge that allows those two groups to connect with each other and converse with each other in response to that thing he made. Like even below that, and it, but even before, but even before all of that, before we even get to making art together, the only way we can really do that is if we know who we who we are as individuals within within context of those around us. And we're not going to do that unless we actually make an effort to start talking with people, start knowing with people, hmm. start finding the commonalities and seeing that, oh yeah, there are differences, but then there, there are a lot of similarities between us too. Maybe we can make something pretty darn beautiful together if we hmm. those similarities and differences to make something. And then through that, there makes an, an even bigger conversation to be had between, with that piece of art they make, make together with the community they share it with or with the audience they share it with. So like starting with one simple conversation and then through that process, it kind of grows exponentially of making a conduit for more conversations to be had. Because then he makes a piece of art that like has a very authentic, unique point of view that speaks to some people. And then that compels those people to start talking about that and having their own conversations. Kind of like what we're doing now, talking about the things that are talking about the pieces of media and art that influence us and conversing about that and finding what's common between us. That's an excellent point. It's sort of, you know, I've talked about sort of the conversation of how to make good Christian art. I mean, the first thing is, it's like, well, you're not going to make good Christian art if you, if Christianity is not part of your imagination. And if it is part of your imagination. So if you're, if you're not creating Christian art, that means you need to actually put the work in to be, be more of a Christian and have it be part of your imagination. And so it's, mm -hmm. if you make an excellent point, it's like, well, if 
having, you know, it's like maybe work on yourself as a person in terms of knowing more people and being more comfortable with more people and more diverse voices in your real life um, is the answer to actually being able to do it in your artistic. And I also like what you said, mm -hmm. Nathan, about it's, it's not, you realize that you're all individuals with your own individual stories and experiences. And that comes from race and culture, but you also realize that there's something that kind of unites above everything it's a common human experience. Mm. Like you were talking about the cartoon earlier about what it's yep. like to be a little kid and enjoy the wonder of childhood and play with your friends at a creek. That's something I yep. hope and I, and I think that everyone, regardless of the color of your skin or where you come from, we can all resonate and, and love stories about childhood and what it's like to look at the world with wonder. And I think that's something too yep. is, is finding commonalities between people, um, retaining our individual identities, but finding the commonalities between all of us. Like, each one of us are friends, and I don't think race has ever played played a part in that because we each find the commonality. We all love comic book movies. We go see movies a lot. We all love you and yep. I love video games. We're gonna get Joseph in on this one of these days, uh, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> we all like superheroes. <laughs> we all nerd out on all this stuff, and we found these commonalities that, and we're all still completely individuals with our own backgrounds and our own stories. But we found these commonalities, and together we can create really cool stuff and have. Um, but there is this question, because we, we've talked a little bit about, um, you know, the, the positive uh, uh, images of Black characters that we've seen starting to more often take place on screen uh, in culture. But I'm also interested as an actor, you know, I, I've been an actor for over a decade in Hollywood and New York. And, you know, I worked for a long time as uh, an extra, a background actor. That's how I paid the bills. I would yeah. make a TV show movie. I would be a background actor. And I'll do it, you know, two or three times a week. And so I started making friends on set and uh, we'd have these long, long conversations uh, over lunch and, and, and waiting for the next scene to get set up. But I, I was interested because I had this one, I had mo actually multiple conversations with um, a couple guys and they were black who talked about how often they got called in to play gangsters, how often sure. they got yeah. called in to play mm. the robber, how often they got called in to play, you know, um, the uh, whatever it might be, a... Uh, yeah. Yeah, so on and so forth. And uh, and this would happen with, uh, you know, my Asian friends would always get called in to play the tech guys. Yeah. And um, my Latin friends would always get play called in to play uh, something to do with, uh, you know, a, a poor Latin neighborhood or something like that. And I'm wondering on that side of the, and and actually my Middle Eastern friend, uh, he, mm, would, yeah. he said he got multiple calls to play a terrorist. And I, 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 it's interesting. I don't know that experience quite to the same degree because I would get calls to play, you know, the, the you know the, the drunk frat boy, but I'd also get calls to play the college kid or the smart guy or uh, you know just the boyfriend, the good guy next door. And so that wasn't as much of my experience as always getting called in to play this one thing. And you know, they're they're actors who have made a great living playing one particular thing, and a lot of people would call it a stereotype. Um, but I have a lot of friends who say they won't participate in films, even if it's a big role on a TV show or something in which they are playing yet another stereotype. Um, and I'm interested to know what that feels like to, what it's like to come in contact as a, as a black man when watching media with a stereotype that doesn't represent you in the least, um, but is something that is continually perpetuated. Um, and, and I'm wondering what that is like if that's something you take in stride or if that's something that, that does it ever frustrate you that um <clears throat> it, it is better now but when i was starting a decade ago 
it was still happening pretty fairly uh, often. The law and orders, every, you know, a lot of the criminals would be black, and that's how they portrayed them over and again, over and over again. And I'm wondering if that was ever frustrating, if that is frustrating, and how stereotyping plays into how you watch things, if it bothers you, and the yeah, everything to do with that question. Mm -hmm. Personally, I never was bothered by it that much, or at the very least, I never took it that personally because I knew they were just stories. But the thing that frustrated me about them, always frustrated me about them, looking at them from a storytelling perspective, is that you guys are just using the same cliche over and over again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like I'm not so mad for your problem with the cliche. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> yeah. I'm not mad about the racist thing because stereotypes sadly are stereotypes for a reason, for better or worse. But like, I'm just mad that you're not trying to think of something different. Give me something. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that is interesting. That's fair. You're offended more by the artistic laziness than the racism. Yes, <laughs> and I think I think artistic laziness and racism have often gone hand in hand. Unfortunately, so for worse. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah, always for work. And maybe I would, maybe I would have a more of emotional attachment to them if I could relate to more of them as a person. But like, like I said, I didn't really grow up in a ghetto environment or anything like that. So like, mm. you might argue if you look at black people from a quote unquote stereotypical stereotypical perspective, my my um, growing up experience is very untypical. So I like I never really responded super positively or super negatively to any sort of depictions of like ultra ghetto black people or like stylized or cartoony versions of like get of ghetto-ness. I just, it just wasn't relatable to me. So I just kind of let it all roll off, like off my back, like a duck in water. <laughs> I like that image. But, and again, it goes back to how important it is actually to have someone who did represent at least your kind, uh, your, experience in life which yeah. didn't have necessarily to do with that and how, how important it is to not just not cast people in stereotypical roles but actually cast people in roles that we can all um connect to uh and that connect different kinds of experiences that aren't just one kind of experience that's an interesting take yeah, yeah like the, yeah. Art the artistic merit you're mad at the artistic <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to offend me at least do it interestingly <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly yeah, no, that's, that is a very excellent point. Um, so we've gone on, you know, this conversation, we've asked you various questions. Is there an aspect of this topic we haven't covered or a question we haven't asked that you would like to answer or, or a part of this topic you'd like to deal with that we haven't covered yet? Mm, not the top of my head, at least. Oh, oh thank God. Fair enough. <laughs> 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 exactly. Oh, Fair, fair enough. Yeah. Um, well, very awesome to have you on, Nathan A., uh, and have this conversation. Would you like to join us for our uh, uh, our uh, blesses and curses segment? We, sure, you know, I'd love to. Come on, because uh, you've listened to these enough doing the uh, <laughs> working on the recordings of them. Uh, and uh, we uh, so you know that we have, you know, our uh, blesses and curses segment and we have pick a piece of art to blessed because we love it or cursed because we hate it hey we hate mm -hmm, it mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. but uh would you like to join us and uh and uh, have a, a bless and a curse uh you know if you need your guest but if you need time to think we can go first too because i have i have i have a couple you have some right yeah. ready yeah yeah please yeah. go first <laughs> great okay nathan <laughs> one you have the floor okay. Okay, well, these aren't original. 
Um, I really want to be cool and original for all the, you know, the erudite um, intellect Ugh. out there. But I have been going back through the Marvel series. I'm sorry. I know that's so mm. nerdy. It's just so <laughs> you know, expected. How dare you? But dare I, you. I tell you, in a, in a really um, heated uh, and kind of angry time when there's so much strife going on and uh, it's so unclear who the bad guys are, who the good guys are, who is telling the truth, who is not. Everyone's mad at each other. Um, it has been a real comfort, I guess, to go back through uh, and watch uh, the Marvel series. And, and currently, mm. I'm, I, wait, I just finished uh, the Captain America, uh, <laughs> the Captain America side, and uh, I'm just uh, finished the first Iron Man last night. And I haven't seen uh, these in, in years. So been still one of my favorites, Iron Man. Yeah. And they're just, I don't know, there just seems so few things in culture now where there's just good heroes. There's great arc. I know they're simple. I know they're not Scorsese films, but they're good. And they, they bring me comfort and they actually inspire mm -hmm. me to be a better version of myself and to, and to try to chase after that hero-esque uh, life, mm -hmm. whatever yeah. that looks like in my own life. So those are definitely my bless. I'm sorry. Those are just so good. And they're just so much mm -hmm. fun. You know, I will you forgive say, you because I am an obsessive Marvel fan. <laughs> and if you do have something to say, come at me, bro, because. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, I, and, I wrote a letter to the editor defending Marvel movies from Martin Scorsese. They made it into the New York Times. It did. Bug. So it I'm not going to argue with you on that. <laughs> so you are cemented in stone as a Marvel fan, okay. as a superhero fan. Um, and then my curse of the week. Um, <laughs> this is going to be so pandery, but it, it's uh, the media and social media all together. I just feel like it's just, <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, sorry. It's just a cesspool of, um, I know there are good things happening on both media and social media, but as far as I can tell, it, it just seems like so much of it is hatred and anger. And even beyond that, I found myself uh, just really thinking about taking a step back from social media as I haven't found it do a lot of positive things in my life and I'm finding mm. even more and more and more now um, how, how negative it can be in our individual lives, um, both the media and social media. And so that would be my curse of the week. Guys, let's do better. And I'm, I'm looking at you media and social media people, <laughs> um, but that's my curse of the week. So Joseph or Nathan, take it away. Um, I'll go to uh, next and then you can uh, close us out. Nathan A, if that works for you. Um, works for me. I'm um, my bless of the week is going to be I just finished the um, the uh, HBO's Watchmen uh, ooh, series, ooh. and I was really surprised about how much I enjoyed it. It had a vision of an alternate America that was politically insightful. It's essentially talking about like what if a particular sort of side of the political aisle got everything they wanted during the culture war sort of of the 80s and how much of a paradise would it be and how much would it not have been and it gets to sort of use superheroes to reckon with the history of race in america in a very clever way that both is true to superheroes and true to their ideals but also use it as a great metaphor for history but then also in a way that's constructive rather than just deconstructive and it, i think it's one of the most politically insightful and uh, heroically sort of insightful, but also respecting the characters and respecting um, everybody that it's talking about, all of the, uh, the issues and the people that they're talking about. I, I'm really, um, and it's just good storytelling that, that pays off at the end. And so I'm, 
always happy to hear that, see that. I see it so rarely, I'd be satisfied with it. So I'm going to definitely make that a bless of the week. And it's only one season and the writer says he's not coming back and they're probably not going to make more. So you can just watch 10 episodes and you're good. <laughs> um, my curse of the week is going to be also another miniseries, the Netflix series Maniac, um, hmm. starring Jonah Hill and Emma Stone. And it's funny because like everybody who is in it does a great job and everything. And it's just, you know, the problem with it is that they try to be weird and they try to be deep, but it's weird without having a reason to be weird. It's just weird for its own sake and not in a way that seems like it helps the themes of what they're trying to do. And it definitely tries to make you think it's being more profound than it seems to actually be. And so I think everybody involved is really brilliant. I just know they can do better and I would like to see them do better. Um, so I'm doing this curse of saying like, no, this is not a project that worked and, and you need to uh, do, do a lot better on your next project. I'm excited to see what that is going forward. Uh, so all right, now, Nathan A., everyone's been waiting. What is your bless and your With curse? Bated breath. Yes. Uh, see, my problem is I kind of want to bless every cartoon I've been watching lately, and I, that's good. Be- <laughs> <laughs> Do it. <laughs> that's, you know what? You know, rapid fire. Rapid fire. <laughs> okay, shout out to the show I mentioned earlier, Craig of the Creek. Lots of fun, very creative, very cute, and just astoundingly funny and creative. Like, I knew it was mm-hmm. a good I've heard good things about it. But it's just amazing how well they capture like the spirit and joy of childhood and do it in such mm-hmm. seriously clever ways. Like it's got me dying laughing. And the references they make sometimes, it's so good. Like not only do they do like modern day anime references, but they even like make, there's one episode where they make a reference to like an obscure one hit wonder song from like the 80s and like make a whole music <laughs> <laughs> and like if you know me that's my two things i love yes. animation and i love old music you combine the two of them and you've instantly won me over <laughs> that's this why some of my favorite ed- for you yep pretty much exactly why some of my favorite episodes from tiny tune adventures were like the ones where they just did music videos based off like old music it's like <laughs> franklin songs and things like that like those are amazing and this kind of captures that as well so that's one bless another bless uh this is kind of probably going to sound pandering as well because social media has been talking about it. But Avatar: The Last Airbender. Hmm. Oh, rewatching so that. Good. Been rewatching yeah. that with the roomies, and yeah, just again, just reminded of how such a good story and just a well-crafted story. Hmm. A good example of like telling a story from a unique perspective, unique experience with a unique protagonist that like doesn't make it doesn't try so hard to be divisive about, oh yeah, we're unique, pay attention to us, yada, yada, yada. No, just like, no, here's a good story with a unique setting, with a unique premise, with some very Eastern ideas, and we're just gonna roll with it by like being as authentic with it as we can, possibly can. And because of that, it's captured the, mind, captured the minds and attentions of both kids and adults everywhere for what looks like years to come now. You know yeah. who should direct the, um, uh, the film adaptation of that? M. Night Shyamalan. I bet you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you stepped on my joke. You stepped on my joke. <laughs> now do it again, too. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right, anyway, go ahead. I had made that, make that cheap joke that you, that you totally got in front of. But go, go ahead. <laughs> Every time you make a joke, Joe, I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> to get in ahead one second before you get to the punchline. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm punch I'm, ahead I'm, of the punchline. 
I can, right. I can live with that. I can live with that. All right. Um, <laughs> any other blesses or you have a curse? You don't have to have a curse. I should have said that you don't have to have a curse because I know no, you have to have a curse. Being. You're you must being. have a curse. <laughs> Uh, I have a curse, but it's not a, it's more of a petty curse than a legit curse. And all of our curses are petty. <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going to do what you did that one episode about Rick and Morty, Nate, and just make a curse, bless and a curse by <laughs> thing. And so I'm going to curse Break of the Creek, if only because it has a lot of great fun songs on there that I really enjoy or I think are very catchy, but it has no soundtrack to enjoy them all with. Hmm. It's oh. kind of my, it's kind of I my cartoons a lot like lately. Shows. I'd hunt for the soundtrack. Yep. Yep. You gotta have that good soundtrack. You gotta make it available. Come That's on. That's a fail. Yeah. It's kind of my gripe with cartoons for a while now, where like cartoon shows like have the soundtrack correctly fine, but a lot of them just don't. Like Fairly Odd Parents, it's had lots of great songs over over the course of its show. Never once has it had a soundtrack. Ooh. Yeah, and I want to be bumping that as I'm, you know, walking around New York. So you know, mm -hmm, Fairly Odd Parents mm -hmm. theme song. I don't know why they can't make that. <laughs> That is an I don't know either. Point. <laughs> that would be fun to have show up in your shuffle. Why wouldn't you do that? That is, and it's weird because some shows get a whole soundtrack out of just doing one musical episode, but like an entire, like just that one episode. But then like an entire show that like spans for like multiple seasons has songs and movies throughout that gets nothing. And I don't understand the logic behind that. I have spent many hours hunting down songs that I see on shows. So, mm -hmm. hey, executives, listen to us. Yes. We want we want we, all of our music centralized from our favorite show. In one yes, to our podcast. And so, <laughs> all, yeah. all of you who listen to our podcast, make <laughs> this happen. Let's start a movement. Start a hashtag. You know, <laughs> hashtag, yeah, I want to be, well, you know, hashtag. I want to be listening to twenty. <laughs> I want to listen to Phineas and Ferb songs twenty four seven. Yes, <laughs> yes. Hashtag yeah. release the Phineas and Ferb cuts. You know, <laughs> <laughs> hashtag release the cartoon soundtrack. Okay. Wow. Awesome. Well, this has been fantastic. So, uh, Nathan, share. I don't know if you have anything that you want to promote or anything you want to, but this is the time to do it. What projects you're working on, what things you want, you know, places on social media you want people to follow you on. Go for it. Uh, I don't think I have anything uh, particular to promote, but if anyone wants to contact me, I guess they'll just contact you and you can reach. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. If you need to find me, I'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> just Joseph tell a joke. Yeah. <laughs> he, will. he really will. You think he's joking, but he does show up random places. Because where there is love, I'll be there. And where there's Joe trying to tell a bad joke, I'll be there too. <laughs> Even if we'll you right that now. song. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. Well, so uh, Nathan Clarkson, what do you got to promote? What do you got uh, where you want people to reach you? Well, you know, and I'm going to have to eat my words because this said I'm thinking about getting off of social media. Um, but until <laughs> I really make that decision, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook to search Nathan Clarkson. Um, and you can go to my website at nathanclarkson.me. And you can write Joseph, me, and Nathan A. Um, all your comments questions, concerns, and love letters um, at, to therealoverthinkers at gmail.com. We always love hearing from you. It's a lot of fun. Um, and yeah. Joseph, what yes. are your links and do you have anything to promote? Um, well, I'm just going to give another shout out to Young Unprofessionals, uh, the uh, yep. web series. And again, because Nathan was on this podcast, I want everyone to see how funny he is. I do want you especially to go to the episode uh, that's um, Stop Me If You've Heard This One. 
Also, I wrote that one, so I'm a little bit part of it. <laughs> Two <laughs> birds, one stone. But you should watch all the episodes we have on there too. Also, you can find me on social media. You can also go to my website, josephholmstudios.com. We love having, hearing your comments, your questions, and all the ways that you think we're wrong. Even though we're right and you're wrong, it's always helpful to understand <laughs> yeah. the other point of view. And <laughs> thank you so we're very much. Generous. We are so generous. Uh, thank you so much, Nathan One. Thank you so much, Nathan A. It's been a wonderful conversation. And thank you all of you for listening. And remember, if it's worth thinking about, it's worth overthinking about. Gosh, I really was surprised. I thought you were going to cut me off on that one, Nathan A. <laughs> <laughs> I set up. Gotta keep it on your toes, buddy. Up. 